and a menagerie of ideas. And so this morning's like a gumbo. I just threw it all in a pot and I just kind of stirred it up, threw a little Holy Ghost on it and some grace in it. There's power in it. There's something personal in it for you. My. Are y'all just quiet to be quiet? Or you sense the presence here? I feel a big bang coming. Second <laughs> Corinthians 4, verse 16. I've been on this scripture for a couple of weeks, and it's just dear to my heart, close to my heart. been asking the Lord for revelation, you know, of his word and his scriptures so I can see things. What did you say, Sue? You can't see everything. That's what Sue said. You can't see everything. So quit looking at what you see and then making some determination that you're going under. You can't see everything. We're, we're, we're finite in our own mind and our own understanding unless we start to tap in and let the Holy Spirit uh, help us. Who needs more? Who came hungry? Who's ready? Who wants to go up? Who wants to go over? Who wants to change? Who wants the person next to you to change? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd make it a lot better. (laughs) Second Corinthians 416. How's that new baby doing? Carter. Come on. Where'd your husband go? Oh, man. Tell him we got credit. <laughs> we got a credit. Listen, that, that's a good word right there. When you come to church, bring all your money. <laughs> bring, bring all your money so you don't have to leave. <clears throat> I like a couple of hundred dollar bills in my wallet. It, you know, you get stranded. How many of y'all like that? A couple of Benjamins in your, couple of Benjamins in your, couple of Benjamins in your. <laughs> I mean, I got my couple of Benjamins in me, and the Lord says, "Give it away." I say, "Oh, really?" So you just do it, and and when you release it, then that's when the joy comes. Quit thinking about what you have to do; just do it. Be a hearer and be a doer of the word of God, and that's what he's going to bless. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to start in verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Why? Because you can. Even though our outward man is perishing. I was young. Now I'm old. I was good looking, and I'm not quite as good looking. I had hair. Now, no hair. You understand? The outward side is waxing old. It's diminishing. It's fading. But listen to this. Yet, the inner man is being renewed day by day. It's almost like the apple's being peeled, but the inside is still the same. Come on, somebody. 
I'm telling you, God is causing our inner person to increase daily Amen. if you're really seeking the Lord. Huh, Miss Stella? Miss Stella, I thought you were going to run this morning. I just, I heard the Mexican, not Mexican, I just heard that Spanish attitude over there just rising, rising, rising. For our light affliction. Own it. It's yours. Our. Our. Going through something? Being Our. It's yours. And yours is different than mine. And of course, yours is always bigger than everybody else's because you own it. It's yours. It's in your face. You're dealing with it. For our light affliction. Don't you hate when God is speaking contrary to what you feel? Light, light, light. God's working. God's not getting old. And God has plenty of time. He's not even in a hurry. And so the word says that our light affliction, which is, it's, it's there you better not deny it. It's, it's real. It's visible to the natural eye, which is but for a moment. Remember that. Whatever you're going through, it's but for a moment. So don't prolong it by complaining. Don't prolong it by just accepting this is your lot in life. The bridge will never open again. <laughs> don't, don't, don't own this affliction in a way that you possess it, and now you're going to set your life up to learn to cope with what you're being challenged with. You need to trust the Lord, lean on the Lord, which is but for a moment. Remember that. Whatever you're going through is for a moment. It will pass. It will pass. It will pass. It will pass if you hold on to the Word of God. If the Word of God has showed you something different than what you're being challenged with and God promised you something, I'm telling you by faith, that moment will pass. Listen, we could all stand up and name what we've been through. I'm talking about hell and high water. I'm talking about affliction and hard times and difficult times. But you know what? Once the next affliction comes, you don't even worry about the one you just went through. Now we're complaining about today's affliction. We forget about the last one. But what God brought you through is to get you where you are so you could learn something that when the next problem comes, you won't pro. Long it. Don't prolong your problem by complaining. You complain, you remain. Round and round. It's only for a moment. It's working. Somebody say it's working. <laughs> it's working. Your trial, it's working. Your dilemma, it's working. Your challenge, it's working. Your affliction, it's working. It's working for us. It's working something in us. If you stand with the word, if you don't have any word in you, I mean, it'll take you out. 
You need to hold on, stand on solid ground. You need to hold on to the hand of the word of God. It's working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And Susan said it best, you know, when the affliction comes, you have to be careful about not focusing on the natural. You need to know that God wants to work something in you eternally, something in you that will keep you next time you go through a trial. He wants to, listen, don't go through something without learning something. And there's going to be trials. You're going to go through things, but don't go through something without passing the test, without gleaning something, without learning something, without practicing the word of God. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through suffering. That doesn't mean he was disobedient. That means when things hit him in life, he practiced what the father was telling him. And when he did, he saw it come to pass. And he just moved to the next stage and the next phase of life. Come on, somebody. Don't go through something. Don't go through a bad marriage and then marry again and bring the same thing in it. Don't mess up on a job, you know what I mean, and cause all kinds of turmoil in your life and then go next to the next job and do the same thing. Y'all getting quiet. Keep, 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 keep your heart open to learn from the Lord. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is a master at pointing at our defects, our imperfections in our era. What a privilege that is for the Holy Spirit to say, that's not right, you messed up, you did that wrong. Okay, let's, let's do it this way. I mean, what a teacher. Got three amens on that one. <laughs> While we do not look at the things which are seen. How you do that? You live by faith. You can't see everything. You're only seeing in the natural. Susan said it. I mean, that's the thing. God's working. And plus, you know the word. So put your eyes and focus on the word. For these things which are seen are temporary. They'll pass. Tell your neighbor it'll pass. It'll pass like gas, man. I'm telling you. Let's <laughs> go. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so... I took something out of the Bible, and uh, we have to be careful when we're reading the Old Testament because if we're not careful, we'll just see it as stories. You know, we understand the epistles. We understand, um, you know, the book of Acts. We understand this is the Word of God. But we have to also understand when we read the Old Testament, it's His story. It's history, but it's his story, and it's just as much the word of God. And so I'm going to read some history in the Old Testament, and it's a story that we all know about. And uh, I'm just going to pick apart a few pieces that can help us. And so this is about David in 1 Samuel 16, 11. And the Bible says this, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. There remains yet the youngest. You know, oftentimes the greatest is going to come later in life. The great things in your life are going to follow the word of God that you practice. I'm telling you, when I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I had no idea how great life was going to be. 
but you understand the best, you know, comes in the latter. It's always like that because God is going to teach us some things because if he would just transport us and translate us into his best from our birth in Christ, we could never hold it. We, we wouldn't have it to hold on to. So everything you're going through, it's helping to build you that in your latter life or your latter days or in your tomorrow or in your future, you'll be able to hold it and not only be able to hold it, but it'd be a foundation for you to carry more, more anointing. And so listen to this. There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping sheep. So we see little David just doing what God had given him to do, keeping sheep, being faithful. And then in 1 Samuel 17, 34, we, we see him uh, in, a, in a different uh, part of his life, later in life. But David persisted. That's the key word right there in Christ, persist in Christ. I have been taken care. This is his resume. This is David's resume. Listen, everything we're going through, we're building our resume for the next place that God puts us in. I'm telling you, your pressure, your pressure in your life can create God's power. Your afflictions can increase the anointing in your life. Not alone but with the word of God in partnership and with the Holy Spirit. Everything you go through, I'm telling you, it's just building a better you. Quit complaining. Tell your neighbor, quit complaining. Don't prolong the process. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. This is his resume. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I'll rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, and I club it to death. I like that man. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. Boy, had an attitude. <laughs> For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, he'd been through some stuff. He'd been practicing God's ways and God's will. He was faithful in the little. And he, of course, is going to be faithful in much more. To whom much is given. Much is required. That's the premise of this message. If, God's, if you want something for God, from God, he's going to require something from you. Listen, when you get saved, it's all grace. And when we start walking this thing out, it takes grace too. But it's going to take our own responsibility in choosing life. We'll always have to sign off on things. Yes, I'll do it. I'll serve you, God. Yes, here I am. That's what Abraham said. Here I am. You know what that meant? I'm willing to do your will right now. Here I am. I want to do your will right now. That is the most heartfelt confession a believer can make. Here I am. I'm ready to do your will. And be serious and not some religious cliche. I had a man come up to me, uh, Mr. King. A man we've been witnessing to for years. 
I'm talking about years, and his wife has been praying for him for years. And he's been in church. He's been involved. He's a giver. And uh, I saw him at the hardware store the other day, and we said hello because I almost ran over him with my car. Listen, when I'm in my truck, you need to be looking for me because I don't know where you are and what you're doing. I'll run over you. <laughs> anyway, he pulled in front and jumped out the way, and we waved. Hey, Mr. King, how you doing? And, you know, I was walking in the store, and then he said, hey, Brother Butch, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He said, man, I got saved. I got saved. He said, I got saved. You know, when you save, you know you saved. He said, I got saved. He said, you don't understand. I've been in church. My wife's been praying for me. I've been in this for so long. He said, but Brother Butch, I got saved. I got saved. You know, when you save, you're going to tell somebody you're saved because you're really saved. You understand experiential knowledge. The Lord has touched me and forgave me of my sins. You can't shut up. Brother Butch, I got saved. He hugged me right on the street. So everybody look up. You know how those new Christians do? They don't care. <laughs> Saul finally consented. All right. Go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. So we see David, you know, in the beginning, he was just keeping sheep in the field. And of course, he's overlooked. I had a prophetic word for this church this year, and the prophetic word was that those that are obscure, those that are not recognized, those in the backdrop, those in the back, those that are no name, the unsung maybe hero, heroes, those that are serving, and, and you look like you kind of blend in everything, but you've been faithful, God's going to call you to the front. God's going to call you to the front. God is calling you uh, to the front. So that's what was happening to David. He was just keeping sheep. I mean, keeping sheep. Nobody, you know, he wasn't on Facebook. He didn't have many friends. You understand? He was unknown. He was obscure. And was just in the background. But at the same time, he was faithful with his father's sheep. And if somebody tried to fool with the father's stuff, he took care of it. And he learned everything he knew, and now it's on his resume, and now God opens a door and a platform that he can stand on and really do something big for God because God needed a man at that time. And the Bible talks about that men look at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the hearts, the inward hearts of men and women. So that's why Susan said it best. We can dress this thing up. We can talk it. We can show it. We can work it. I mean, it can all be right, but God's looking at the heart, always looking at the heart. So I have seven ways to know you have been chosen to bring change. Seven quick ways to know you have been chosen to bring change. That's what we, that's what we call to. And the first thing is you're chosen. You're chosen people. And the Bible says in John 15, 16, Jesus is speaking. It's in red. And he said, you didn't choose me. I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found you. Yeah, I found Jesus. No, the Holy Spirit drew you to, drew you. The Holy Spirit drew you to Jesus. 
and got you in a place that now you have to make a decision to choose to be chosen. But he was pulling on your heart. He was speaking to you. And thank God if you're born again, you chose to be chosen. And you know what? There's a call on your life. You're called to do something great. You're called to bring change. We're all called to bring change. You know, my title of my message is From a Chump to a Champion. <laughs> we all start out chumpish. But God wants to make us a champion. Y'all may have heard this story, but I'll tell it again. One of my mentors is Rodney Howard Brown. And if y'all know his sidekick, his name is Eric. And Eric has been with Rodney Howard Brown since I started following Rodney Howard Brown in 1991. And Eric was the little freckled face, kind of reddish blonde hair, you know, just geeky looking. But he loved his pastor. And every time Rodney Howard Brown would do a crusade or preach, uh, Eric would come up and he was the guy that sold the tapes or gave the tapes away. And all of us, if you've been around here, we'd be in the meeting and Eric would come out and he's trying to preach. And we like, dude, sit down, shut up. We don't want to listen to you. Bring the man out here. You know what I mean? So we all just like, okay, come on, get your spill over. And I mean, he's shooting, he's doing his best. He is really doing his best. And then finally he sits down and we're like, thank you, Jesus. And then the man of God comes up and preaches and we leave. And every, I mean, this went on for 20 years. He's still doing it. And back then, if, and, it, and we kind of coined the term chump in this church. I was one. Everybody's got to be a chump to somebody. You need to be a chump to a champion to be a champion. Yeah, everybody starts out at the bottom, but you don't have to stay at the bottom. And so if you would look up chump in the dictionary, that was Eric's picture. I mean, he was the <laughs> chump. He was, and so a couple of years ago, I went up to Eric. I said, Eric, I got to tell you this story. You are, you are known internationally because I tell this story a lot. He said, what? I said, dude, I got to tell you who you are to my church and, and my churches and everybody I know. He said, and he started getting excited. And so I told him the whole story. He laughed. And I said, you know what? I'm your chump. Because he's my contact man there. And so I submit to him. You understand? So, but I watched him grow. I watched him submit to a vision. I've watched him glean. I've watched him, uh, you know, somewhat mimic his mentor and then find himself in the body of Christ, Christ at large and then learn how to release the power because he was trained to be a champion and he is that today. Isn't that a good story? And so we, we start out as a chump, but we're chosen. You know, Abraham started out a chump. Jonah started out a chump. Moses, Samuel, right? They all started out. You got to start. But God gives you vision. God gives you dreams. God gives you insight. God begins to give you glimpses of what's about to come because he wants you to be a changer of the situations you live in or live around. Number two is that, that very fact. You are to bring change. 
You are to bring change. I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying this mad, but I really mean this. If you don't want to bring change to where we live, why are you here? Why are you serving God if you don't want to bring change? You, you might as well just leave because this is all we ever talk about is that God is creating something in us that we can bring change to our surrounding. So that's the whole, that is the bottom line. There's no motive that's not being presented by the Holy Ghost. He wants you to bring change to people around you and not change in your own frustration, not change in a way that, you know, you're mad because people are not responding to you. He wants you to stand solid. He wants you to stand sound in the doctrines of the apostles, but so you can bring change to people around you. Somebody came to you. Somebody witnessed to you. Somebody led you to the Lord. Somebody prayed the Holy Ghost would fill you. Somebody taught you some things that you could change, that you could bring change to people around you and your surrounding. Somebody said, that's the truth. You know what happened? David started bringing so much change. The ladies started singing songs that Saul, you know, he slew thousands. But David slew tens of thousands. Saul slew a thousand. David slew ten thousand. And listen, we all like to sing the songs of what somebody else is doing. But what are you doing? Why sing a song when you can live the life? Why sing a song about a champion when you can be the champion? Come on, somebody. Bump your neighbor. Say, you got champion stuff in you. You know, you know how everything is watered down today, even in high schools? Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody. Good sportsman trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. Because God forbid that somebody would excel and somebody wouldn't, and then this person would feel bad. Y'all getting quiet here. So we give everybody awards. And so that waters down everything. And it really takes away from the real champions, the real, those that put effort, those that, you know, sweat, those that study, those that, you know, just really went for it. And I, I don't, you know, my wife, I feel I'm an I'm a underdog puller person. I, I pull for the underdog. I mean, look. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm an underdog. I was a, I was a under, uh, I had a double underdog anointing. <laughs> I was least expected, least likely. We're the salt of the earth. Salt makes a difference. Salt of the world, how about that? Game changers. If you can't see yourself as a game changer, you're not seeing yourself right. If you just want your game to change so you can be comfortable in life, that's not it. You got to see who you are. We were talking about it in the office uh, with Carl and Donna. They're doing such a good job in Irwinville. And uh, I told them what it was. Man, when you start getting your hands in what God has called you to do, you, you forget a lot of things. You, you, you're focused. 
And at this point, maybe it's your marriage. At this point, maybe it's your kids. At this point, it may be your business, whatever it is. But when you start putting your mind and all of your attention and your energy and your effort in the area that God is calling you to, all of a sudden, there's a lot of things that just disappear because what's important becomes very important. Your time, you know, your energy, your mind thinking, it all begins to revolve around what the Lord said you must do. Y'all got that? Jeremiah 31, 28 says, And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them, listen to this, to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy, to afflict, so so I will watch over them. Talking about the church, the people of God, to build and to plant, says the Lord. So, man, that's what we do. We mess up things. <laughs> we like bulldozers to the uh, enemy. We come in and we begin to destroy uh, the foundations of darkness, and we start to prepare a foundation for the kingdom of God. Come on, man. It's time for the church to get rid of the wimpy spirit. What about me? You know, what somebody did to me. It's, it's time to let that go and to begin to let the Lord show you what your purpose is in life and the opportunities that he will have coming your way. I've learned this in life. The problems I face is an opportunity to grow in my call. Every problem I face is an opportunity to grow in my call. I'm getting to the point I like a mess. Nobody gets happy about that. Listen, if you're going to be a paramedic and the call comes and you don't want to go to the wreck, you don't want to go to the wreck? You're a paramedic. I studied. I got the diplomas. I got the certificates. I'm the best paramedic they got. And the call comes and you don't want to go to the wreck? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you a doctor? And somebody's dying. I just don't know if I want to do this. I mean, what? And so it, as, as believers, we run to the mess. We run to the mess. We were made for the mess. We were not made a mess. We run to the mess. Now's my opportunity. Now I can show forth the light of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. That rattled your cage a little bit. No, I just, I just, I don't, man, they got demons. I'd rather not fool with that. No, that's our call. Cast them out. Somebody said cast them out. Man, I'm looking for a valley of dry bones. How about you? <laughs> you understand? No, no, we, we looking for this serenity in the clouds, in the streams. Jesus came for the dry bones. Man, you need to be looking for the Jonah that's going the wrong way. You need to look, be looking for the, the guy on the mat and be willing to call three more, pick him up and bring him to the door of Jesus that he can get healed. You need to be looking for the Jairus. Jairus? Jairus. Oh, Jairus. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. Just believe. Or the lady with the issue of blood. Oh, my, I can't deal with that. I mean, her problems will just be, I mean, please. That's how we are. 
we should be always moving to the place of resistance. <laughs> Y'all with me? Or oh, we just sit in church and the devil just takes the school and takes the government and takes over faith. I, I ain't going on Facebook no more because everybody nasty. <laughs> they nasty. Really? You don't remember being nasty? They, they hard. You don't remember being hard? They're cruel. You don't remember being cruel? They're ugly. You little ugly thing, you don't remember being ugly? I mean, don't, don't, you under, listen, I said it Wednesday night. I, I, some of these songs that Christians sing, I, I just want to change it. Jesus before me, the world behind me. I understand when you first get saved, but how about Jesus is behind me, the world before me, I'm fixing to take it. Well, how about that? See, we always put things the way we like it. Convenient. Comfortable. I've learned problems create job security. You want to be in ministry? Problems will create a job security in Christ. You'll always have a job. Now, that's not why I'm a pastor, but that's why I'm a pastor. Because people need help. I'm not saying the same person's going to always need the same help because we don't play that game. People need to grow, but you understand, you'll always have opportunities in Christ, so you got job security. You can, listen, a Christian is being like Christ, going about doing good and healing all of those that are oppressed by the devil. For you were anointed with the with the Holy Ghost and with power. We got job security. We all have a place. We all have a part. You need to find it. Is this good? Yeah. Did I get to? Okay, number three. Now, don't take this wrong. I just wrote it like this, but I got to explain it because when you say this, people like clap. Don't count on people. Count on God. And I don't mean we don't need people. And it doesn't mean I don't love people. But you got to count on God. You, people will break your heart. Y'all want to clap right there. I know you do. I know you do. Susan was like, ah! <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not scared of people. I'm not saying that we don't, you know, because you could just go off the cliff on this. You know, you're going to live all alone and you just, you know, you don't need nobody. You don't need church. You don't need nothing. You're going to just do it on your own. We can tell you're doing that by the facts of your life. It don't work. So, but what I mean is you have to count on God before you count on people. And really God got a hold of David, the one we're talking about, because David told his commander, um, Joaz, Joaz, Joaz. He said, count the number of people. There's nothing wrong with counting people. I count people right here. You know, we get a count. There's nothing. I'm a pastor, so I need to know my sheep. So to count is okay. But David, he always had a problem. I'm thinking. Y'all help me with this. First of all, he was last. 
He was the youngest. He was overlooked, you understand, by his own daddy, Jesse. So it looks like to me in David's life, he's always trying to count on people. He's always trying to get people with him. Now, we need people with us, you understand? But it, he, it was in a way that he was counting people before God. He wouldn't make it without people. I mean, he really went after Saul. He wanted a daddy figure. He wanted a man of God in his life. And Saul kept throwing the spear at him, kept running him off. I always saw it as a very bad thing, but he had to learn to count God before he counted men. And I don't mean that in a way of just being all alone and isolated. That's not it. But you just have to put God first. And then the people in your life, God will add to you and everything will be good. Isn't that good? If you count on people before God, God will, God will count you out. If you count on people before God, God will count you out. Now, don't you go to the person today and say, my pastor said I don't need nobody. That's not what I'm saying. You just have to put God above everybody. Grow yourself. Grow yourself in the Lord. We, this, all of this is David's whole life. He's growing in the Lord. He's growing himself in the Lord that he can live up to this resume that he's given to King Saul. He's, he's about to stand up to a giant. There's people scared to death. The best of God's people are hunkering down. The best of God's people are full of fear. But he's done it right from a small age. He's been faithful in a, since, since a young age that now something's about it to be presented to him that he can make a difference. People are about to get hurt. This is, this is dangerous. And this is this giant screaming. Screaming. He's looking for a man to fight, and he can't find one, and he's thinking already, I got this thing done. There's some Davids and some Davilines in here. <laughs> People are giving up. The enemy's pushing them. Uh, people are giving up on marriages. People are giving up on Christ. People are, are doing some crazy things, and God is calling you to stand up in the midst of all this fear that's going on. You know, I've, I've been doing a little study on the Muslims, and uh, what they do, they have fear tactics. They will kill you, and they will tell you that. They read it in their books. They will kill you. You're an infidel, they'll kill you, and they want you to know that. And as long as you're afraid of them, they won't back down. But as soon as you stand up and say no, they back down. They're not backing down because people aren't standing up. There's more mosques in France right now than churches. They are having, I think, on the average, seven kids, eight kids. And, and us, us, the Western civilization, are having 1.3. So they have a plan, and their plan is fear. It's fear. That's the enemy's plan. They, they want you to bow down to them. But as soon as you stand up and say, no, I live in America, we don't do that, they back down. But we hadn't been doing that as a church. We haven't been doing that as Christians standing before all of this resistance against the real plan of God. Time to stand up. Tell your neighbor it's time to stand up. Tell your neighbor it's time to stand up. Count God first. Put God first.
growing in affliction. See, going through all of this, we're growing. You can grow in affliction. It's like refining gold. <laughs> this is the way it is. I said it last week. That affliction has a weight. It does. Come on. And, and really, affliction has a weight. But in that scripture, it talks about the weight of glory. And so the weight of glory, like a scale, actually outweighs affliction. That's what it's saying. And the heavier the substance of the metal, the more value to it. Gold, silver. So you see, in affliction, listen, I'm not praying for affliction. It just, we need to learn how to have it work for us. I'm better. <laughs> I've learned some things. Affliction in Christ now, I'm not talking about self-affliction. That puts you in jail. <laughs> it gets you in bondage. I'm talking about, you know, you're just doing the right thing like Paul. Paul's being brought to Rome, and the only thing he did wrong was preach the gospel. That's, that's, why, that's why he's being jailed and imprisoned, because he preached the gospel. And so in the affliction of preaching the gospel, we just get more refined. I remember years ago, I went to a foundry and how they would heat up iron, and it would become liquid. I mean, molten steel. It would become liquid. And a man would take this tool, and he'd scrape the dross off. All the impurities, all the foreign matters that the, that the uh, material would be pure. And so that's what the Lord is doing when we're serving Him. And we, we, our hearts are right. And we want to help people. And we want to please God. And then we get resisted and things happen and problems come. And, and all of it's a weight, those afflictions. But if we do it right, the scale just tilts. The weight of glory falls on us. I looked up the word weight pertaining to glory. It actually means a weight that actually pushes down on you. So you're going to have a weight of affliction or a weight of glory. What's going to produce for God? The weight of glory. You know, but you got to make it through the weight of affliction. You ever hear people say this? Man, I didn't have all this trouble when I was in the world. I become a Christian, and man, all this stuff starts to happen. You know what it is? It's the weight of glory. You're going to have a weight. I'm going to stay. I'm going to carry my weight. I'm going to do. I'm going to carry. It's a cross. Denying yourself. Dying daily. It's doing what's right. Ridicule. Controversy. Who do you think you are? It's a weight. People won't tell you this. That's why the Bible says you need to cost. You need to count the cost of serving Jesus, because it's not going to be this apple orchard and cherry blossom prairie where you just float on the skies. No, the more you grow in Christ, the more of the weight of glory you'll carry. Paul's doing everything right. And now he's got a weight. He called it a thorn in his side, but he never stopped. 
He kept pressing on. It, you know, it, it's amazing. And there's a grace there. When you start carrying that rate, weight, there's a grace that you don't feel it, but everybody else sees it. And they'll say, how do you do that? In other words, when you get in what God is calling you to, there is a weight called responsibility to what he's calling you to. And people look at you like, how do you do that? But this weight has no struggle. You were made for it. You were designed for it. And everybody else looks and say, how do you do that? It's grace. How do you do what you do? I, I look at, you know, I look at mamas. How do you do that? I look at businessmen. How do you do that? I used to enjoy just going visit people in church that have businesses. I remember one guy, he had a shipyard. And I went out there and said, how do you do this? And he, it's no struggle. To me, it's like, how do you do this? I mean, ships, barges. How do you work on that? Propellers as big as this. How do you do that? He's called to it. He knows it. To me, it's a weight. To him, it's a weight, but it's only a responsibility to do it right. It's what he's been called to. Are y'all getting this? So you need to learn how to just pull your weight. And, and be careful that, you know, not everybody's called to carry what you carry. Don't, don't put that on, on somebody. They don't have the grace for it. Some people tell me, how do you, I never pastor. Well, if you're not called to, you better not. <laughs> and I said it not long ago. Some guy came up to me and said, who made you a pastor? I said, God. You understand, if he hadn't have done it, I, I, it would kill me. This is the whole thing. God is using everything. All things work together for good. Not all things are good. That you will be able to carry the weight of glory that he has for you. And you can't, you, you can't start off in killing this giant. You, you, you might not start off in praying for somebody and healing an incurable disease. You might have to start with a what. You might not start raising the dead. You might have to start off, you know, <laughs> a cold. I don't know. But you understand God is using and there's a process that we get in that when we get to the place where the Lord really wants to use us, we're strong. We've practiced in the glory of God. The Bible says glory to glory. What it really means is glory, more affliction, glory <laughs> and then as you move in that it means glory more 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 affliction and glory and so we all that transition of affliction and usually you're going to live in two tents y'all know we on the move the first tent is going to be content or discontent <laughs> And so we're living in content. Ah, we made it! Ha! Two. Discontent. And that's disturbing. That's where, that's the place you hadn't learned how to carry that responsibility yet. The new job, you know, the seventh kid, 
<laughs> the new ministry. You understand? We, we, we practice the new marriage. We're practicing glory to glory. Anybody getting anything out of this? I'm, I'm getting, this is really good. You need to know this. And so when somebody starts to complain, just go, I got a word for you. And they said, oh, really what? Affliction. <laughs> it's working for you. It's working for you. Don't complain. And people, I'm telling you, this is, what, this is what Christians do when affliction hits. They cast the devil out of people. That's the devil. No, it's not. We're growing. It's called growing pains. We, we, don't, we had it here. Now we're going to another level. And in this too, we don't have it. We just don't have it yet. We, we need some wisdom. We need to lean on the Lord. Are y'all getting this? Growing in affliction is like refining gold. Levels of discontentment is what ails us. We get in a place of discontentment, even in church, it's like, and then people look at you like, what's wrong with you? You just, this isn't a place you want more. You know what I mean? You, you want more. You understand, you, you're 50 years old, you're still living with your mama. You know something ain't right. It's time to move on. And that happens in your spiritual walk. You get to a place that you got it, but God wants to move you on. God wants to stretch you. God wants you to go to another level, but you don't want to take the step of faith. So you're just so discontented. And he will let that thing just work on you. And, and personally, if I'm going to error, it's staying at a level too long. And if you stay at a level too long, you just get a little agitated and you get agitated with everybody around you. And so not only are you suffering, but everybody around you is suffering because you hadn't taken the next step. Get with God and say, Lord, what's my next step? What's my next level? Come on, somebody. David was building his resume. Next point, compassion and care. There remains the youngest and he is keeping sheep. You know what I found? It's impossible to teach people how to care. That's a problem in the United States right now. You can't teach people how to care. You can't teach people how to really care for their wife. They have to see their wife as a value. They have to see their wife as God sees their wife. People don't care on the job because they don't see the value of the job. They don't see they're building a resume. They don't see that this may not be your dream job. You're in the process. You have to see a value of the process. Or you won't care about anything around you, and you'll always feel like you're entitled. Wherever you are in your marriage, wherever you are in your, your business, wherever you are in your Christian life, God wants, you to, God wants to teach you to care for people. Because if you can see yourself advancing in the Lord, you can see that the Lord has cared for you and taken care of you. And he's trying to teach you, you need to care and have compassion for people around you. You will be well at what you care for. If you care for me, you'll treat me nice. <laughs> if I care for you, I'll treat you in a good way. But if I don't care for you, it's just like, whoop. Whatever you have compassion on, it's going to be your importance. And I'm telling you, that's a weight that you carry. You, people let go minister on the streets. Well, that's not for me. It may not be. 
But you understand, if, if people have a compassion for people and homeless people, it just, it, they just do it. Don't do things you don't care for. Do us a favor. Don't do things you don't care for. Find out what you care for. Now, there's needs that sometimes people will step in because there's a need, but do something you care for. Do something you're compassionate about. I'm telling you, direction is compassion. Direction is, that's a good word for somebody. Direction, your direction is your compassion. Where is it? What is it for? What's the area? That will be your direction. That will be where God wants you to put your hands. Affliction of caring can produce the glory of success. You know, if you really care for your kids and they're not little liabilities, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they're not even assets. It's like, <laughs> they're mine. <laughs> you understand? What you care for, you'll be successful in it. You, you want a good witness in your life. You'll be successful. If you don't care, you won't, you won't have a good witness. You won't have integrity. You, you won't have character. If you, if you, don't, you understand what you care for will work for you. It will develop that weight of glory in your life. That's, what, that's what's happening to David. He cares for sheep. He cares for their lives. He knows they're important to his father. So he cares for them. And because he cares for them, that compassion is directing him. That, com that compassion is building a place for him to be successful. That's a good word right there. If you're a company man, y'all know what a company man is? I mean, he's like, yes, sir. A company man, he wears the uniform. I'm telling you, he'll wear the hat with the company name on it. And, and if, you, if you care for your company, you're compassionate and serious about your company, you're going to have success. And you'll carry a weight of glory that many other people won't carry because God will open a door for you. That's good right there. Cause. David ran up to the people of God. He said, is there a cause here? What, what are y'all doing? Is there a cause? I wrote this down. Sometimes we are not concerned about the cause. We want the comfort. Forget the cause. It's not comfortable. I'm going to tell you, if there's a cause and God is calling you to it, it will never be comfortable. There's going to be some little aches. There's going to be some little problems. There's going to be some weight. But where there's a cause, that's why we need to stand up. We, we can't stay comfortable. We have to stand up. David decided, I'm going to stand up. You know what I saw in the Bible when I was reading it this morning? He was keeping sheep. And when he ran to the front lines, his brother Elab got all over him and said, you're supposed to be keeping sheep. You know what? He covered himself. He left the sheep with a keeper. And his brother was right, but his brother didn't know his faithfulness. His brother didn't realize how deep his concern and his care was for his father. And then he, they tried to do it to him again because his father sent him with the cheese and crackers to the field. He was just doing the simple thing. And the first thing he did when he got to the field, he gave the cheese to the keeper of supplies. Covered again. 
took care of all his bases, and now God said, that's my man. He's a keeper of my word. He's faithful in what I've called. He never let go of the sheep or the cheese. You understand? Everything that his father put in his hand, he took care of it even when he had to leave. And God saw that and honored him. Cause is more important than comfort. You can. Tell your neighbor you can. This is what he said when he ran out to the front lines. Y'all listen up. This is, what he, this is how confident he was. He was so experienced and so practiced in doing what his father wanted him to do. Everybody is shrinking back. Everybody is full of fear. And everybody is like no hope. And he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight. That's a bad boy right there. Huh? He said, don't, don't let your heart fail. I got this thing. He had an attitude. You know, what that, you know what faith, faith has an attitude. You know what faith said? I can do it. I can do it. With God, I can do it. I, I can do it. You know what? If you believe you can, you will. If you don't believe you can, you won't. You got to believe you can because God said you can. And when you believe you can, you will. You know what killed Goliath? His faith. Believing, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And his brother runs up to him and says, you don't belong here. Even in the midst of controversy, confrontation, and resistance, I believe I can. And then Saul says, you're too young. I believe I can. And then Saul says, you don't have the right armor. Put this armor on. He puts this crazy-looking helmet on. Probably came see his eyeballs. He puts all of this bodysuit on, big old sword. All these, I mean, it's like. <laughs> and everybody's trying to do something to him. But he believed he can. He believed he could. And because he believed he could, he did. And he would. That's good stuff right there. I remember when we were in high, uh, grade school, we had a guy in our class, Victor Calabarusa. Victor Calabarusa. Calva. That dude got on my nerves, man. From the first grade all the way through high school. You know why? We'd be on the third story, and you could see every ship that would come through going to the port. I mean, ship, you'd be surprised how many ships a day come up that river. And every time he'd see a ship, he'd jump up. He said, I'm going to drive those ships one day. I got so sick of hearing that. I'm going to do that one day. All his whole life, all of school, I'm going to drive them ships up there. You know what he did? He's one of a hundred. Just, a, I mean, they only have a hundred. And they selected. You got to be professional. He drives ships. You understand? He believed that he could. He believed that he could do it. And I mean, in the, in the midst of me, ridiculing him and everybody else. Like, yeah, you little fat boy, you ain't going to do nothing. 
we'd bully him, we'd tease him, but he knew he could. Y'all ever get around people like that? Little kids say, I'm going to be a fireman. And then the parents try to talk him out of it. You know, but he's always pushing fire trucks. He's always looking at fire trucks. Next thing you know, that was little uh, uh, Cade. 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 I mean, since he'd been around, I'm going to be a fireman. I said, dude, we don't put out fires here. We start fires. You're not going to be a fireman. I'm telling you. We don't do that. You don't do water. We do gasoline. We start. We're awesomeness. And that dude said, nope, I'm a fireman. I'm a fireman. That dude's a fireman. <laughs> and he's probably going to be the best fireman in the whole country because he believed he could. You need to believe that you can do what God is calling you to. It's, it's something about what you call to. God will blind you to things. Man, if I would a new church would have been like the things I had to go through, to do this, I would have opted out. It's like, no, no, no. That ain't got the devil speaking. But God has a way of blinding you of some things you don't need to see. So you look like a crazy man. I'm going to save the world. And you don't know nothing, but God's blinding you to your stupidity in areas. And so he just lets you see what he's showing you at the moment that you just get in a fast pace towards it. Anybody like that? Anybody, you probably, Brandon, you probably wished or hoped or saw your daddy, wanted to play music, you know? And so what God is calling you to, I'm telling you, you can. You can. You can. You may be just starting. Maybe you're in the process, but don't look back. Man, don't, don't look back. Keep going forward. You must see the invisible to do the impossible. You know, that, that man watching those ships, he saw, he saw something in the future. It wasn't visible to anybody else, but it was so alive and so real to him. That's what I'm going to do. I feel like the Lord's important vision right now. I feel like the Lord's giving people glimpses of something they're going to do in their life to come. Maybe another level of it or deeper in something that God has already called you to. My last C. Corrective. David, you know, he had his little deal. That's all he knew. That's all he knew. And then Saul, a type of authority, asked him to try this armor. And this is what he said. I haven't tested it yet. He said, I, it, it doesn't fit me yet. It, it's not a negative because as king, he had to have armor like that. And eventually he did. And so I believe the Lord was showing him he could even be corrected. And you know what? As Christians, this is, this is, where, we, this is where the rubber hits the road. We can't pass the buck for our own mistakes. We need, to, we need to stand up. You understand? We cannot pass. Far as me at this church, I'm responsible for everything. And honestly, it's, it's sort of a weight of glory. But if this thing don't go, it ain't your fault. It's not my leadership's fault. It's me. It's all on me. It's all on me. And I take responsibility. I really take responsibility for everything here. 
You need to do it for your family. You need to do it for your business. We got to quit blaming people. We need to fess up when we mess up. Christians don't do that. Need to fess up when we mess up. Need to apologize if we need to apologize. We need to say, I'm sorry. If it needs to be, I'm sorry. We need to get it right. I believe, I believe with all of my heart that David was ready and he was chastened by the Lord. And if you can't be chastened, you're not legitimate. And I'm not going to call you what you are because it would be a bad word, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> you understand, if we cannot be corrected, we're not legitimate children of God because the Father will correct you. Assume responsibility for our own shortcomings. Resume responsibility for our own shortcomings. It's funny as a pastor, the things I say. Uh, hey, man, did you do it? I didn't do it! <laughs> How about with your kids? Did you? No, not me! Listen, if we pointed fingers in our, in our own families, we point them here. Blame shifting, falsely accusing people, not taking the weight of our own mistakes. Y'all got quiet. To be effective, you must be corrective. Fix your mistakes. Fix your mistakes. Fix your mistakes. Fix your mistakes. Own up. Fix your mistakes. I'm waiting on God. No, kill, crucify your flesh. Well, it's the devil. No, it ain't the devil. That's the biggest. I'm telling you, if I was the devil, I'd be offended by the church, being blamed by so many things. And, and he knows it's the flesh. No responsibility. Fix it. Fix it. Fess up. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. You know, if your washing machine breaks, you know what, what we did? We get on the phone and we let that company have it. Just let them have it. <laughs> Sir, it's 10 years old and the warranty is up. <laughs> yeah, but you need to fix it. Go fix your own. Go fix your own washing machine. You as much stirred up as the washing machine used to be. <laughs> Y'all understand, it's always, you need to do this for me. You need to fix that. You need to... <laughs> and then we want other people to be something for us. Pastor, would you be a, just a great pastor for me? And God forbid, if I'm not, you shoot me. <laughs> you know, everybody wants somebody to be this great thing for them. And, but that person that wants that, they don't do nothing, not responsible for anything. What's up with that? Sue, so you like that? We need to become like Abraham. Stand in the gap. Stand up. There's going to be people that won't stand up. There's going to be people that are lily-livered, spineless, uh, afraid, and weak. But you don't have to be like that. 
Abraham heard Lot was in the city, God had to talk to him. He went and got him. Or Lot wouldn't have got out. It wasn't a nice place. It was a perverted place, but he went. He went. He stood in the gap. And I'm telling you, y'all listen to this. Who wants favor? Well, let me, who, come on. It is a trick question. Now, just, who wants favor? You know why most people want favor? You, let me tell you this. You know why most people want favor? For themselves. And your favor ain't for you. It's for somebody else. You can't use your position of favor for yourself. It's a place to be an influencer. It's a place to bring change. And that's what Abraham did. If you're going to have favor, you can't get proud in it. If you're going to have favor, you can't look down on other people because it's the favor of God. It came to you by grace. God gave it to you because he designed you to do something for him. So if you get proud in it, that is wicked and ugly. Who wants favor? Got half people here now. Half mass. <laughs> you understand? Our favor is to put us in a position like David. David had favor. Everybody's going out. Everybody's cowering down. And God gave David favor with the prophet. The prophet spoke to him, said something, anointed him. Anointed him. That's favor right there. And all of a sudden, he saves all of Israel. He stands in the gap for all of God's people. He risked his life. You know why? Because if he hadn't stood up, all of Israel would have been enslaved to that wicked devil. And he said, you know what? It's worth the cause. It's worth standing up. You know what? When you call to something, you'll die for it. He was willing to die for the people of God. You understand when, when we get in that spot right there and the devil's coming down on us and everything's going bad and everybody's talking bad about us, we just say, well, then, handle it yourself. And we just walk away. We walk away from relationships. We walk away from things that God started and put us in. And we walk away and it gets destroyed. It gets aborted. But not David. I'm here. I'm, I'm it. I got this thing. I got it. I'm fitting to take him out. Y'all understand? What are you about to take out for somebody? You understand? When we pray, when we live right, we're, we're fixing things. We're helping people. We're helping our children. We're helping our family, our extended family. We're helping our community. When we just decide, I'm going to do it right. No matter who's in, who's out, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand in the gap for my family. I'm going to stand in the gap for all my crazy kids, my in-laws, outlaws. I'm going to stand in the gap for the community. I'm going to stand in the gap even though everybody's doing everything wrong. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm fixing to bust up that guy. I don't know where I should go from here, but... He fitting to take him out. The Bible said he threw that stone and it sunk in him. It sunk. Boom. Didn't kill him, but sunk. Knocked him out. Knocked him out. You ready to knock something out for somebody? <laughs> and listen, those people had wealth. And this is what the Lord shows me. There's going to be a transfer of wealth. 
The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And there's going to be a transfer. And those that he gives favor to are going to be the ones like, it ain't for you. Who wants to be a one to transfer? I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to be a transfer. And if we stand in the gap, in the favor of God, and in the call of our life, I'm telling you, God's going to use you. Don't put yourself out. Don't look at yourself too small. God wants to raise you up. Come on. Done. No, but there's, there's giant killers in here. City takers. In this place, you just need a little stirring. 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 And what the enemy will do, he'll bring you to all of your faults. Don't go there. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus will cover that as soon as you believe in the blood of Jesus. Don't, don't, let, the, don't let the devil condemn you. This is not a condemning message. This is a message to energize you to stand up. And make a difference. You are a game changer. You're not just a mama. You're a warrior. <laughs> You're not just a man. You're a man of war. In, in the terms of being spiritual. You don't just sing a song. When you sing, it breaks people loose. You don't just preach and testify. When you preach and testify, it breaks things off of people to get them free. You're not just young. You understand? You, you, you're just not a young person. You're a young man of God, a young, a young woman of God that God can begin to use you. The Bible talks about remember your creator in your youth days. Remember your creator. In the days of your youth. That's what it says. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Don't forget him. What, he, what he's doing for you now is small things. As you continue to serve him and move forward, he'll use you in larger things, greater things. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. If you're just born again, remember he did it. Remember he touched you. Remember. He changed you. Remember, he opened up your eyes. Remember, you were lost, but now you've been found. Remember, the days ahead of you are going to be fabulous and great. It's going to please the Father. Shaba, sikida, mama, sata. Gondrote, jibana. Well, it's 1211. You're an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony, even unto death. God has given you so much ability that you not only can live for him, but if you had to die for him, you would. You won't, not in this country. Brother Trump's helping us out a little bit. I don't know if he's saved. I just said that. That was prophetic. <laughs> What do y'all think? I mean, we should see some of this like, you know what? I ain't threw a stone in a while. <laughs> they ought to have holes in all of these walls. Why don't we do that? 
Let's get some rocks about that big and just throw it through the wall so when people walk in here, they say, man, what happened here? <laughs> We're looking for something. <laughs> we need a target. We need some evil. We, we need, we need, we need some, it, sometimes it's this rock of love, man. Not only this knock a giant, a demon out, you hit somebody in the head with this, the love of God will just cover their sins, they'll repent, get saved, come run into the Lord. Come on, somebody. Lord, I ask you to touch Lauren right now. You are going forward and not backwards. You are going fast forward. Fast for never to rewind again, never to recoil again in the name of Jesus. Soko ribara kadesi menahaya, andreke mosoto boshaya, brede biki adara manosi mahasekelera badasa, brondesa. Thank you, Lord. Ah, you might say, what's wrong with me? Ain't nothing wrong with you. God knows how to deal with you. And you know, man, when God deals with us, we know we've been dealt with. Thank you, Jesus. How are you doing? Good for you. Good for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is where it all happens, right here. When you just think it's over and you think it's ready to go, you're ready to go. Some have already left, but they're still sitting here. Really, some have left, but they're still sitting here. But there's a few that are sitting here that God is really, really dealing with. I, I know it. I sense it. If that's you, just come up. Just come up. And it's no, no, uh, not looking at anybody bad that you left. Maybe you got what you need. That's, that's it. So it's finished for you. But there's people here. I knew you were one of them. And I'm not picking on you. And the Lord's not picking on you. And it doesn't make you anything bad. It's just a level that God wants you to go to that maybe you hadn't been yet. Say, okay, how's the report? Good, amen. Bradley, you here to catch your wife or you for prayer? Okay, come up close, man. Listen, if you have to go eat jambalaya, you released. Go ahead, y'all go, y'all go. We got this, we got this. We got it. Y'all go ahead if you have to leave. We got this. We'll see you in a... 10 or 15 minutes. Y'all go eat some jambalaya. Call somebody. Get some friends here. We're going to have to feed the dogs. Shasa mahasete de manaya koso brada beke mosi mahasa. You're in a place you've never been in in your life before, and that's a good thing. You're in a place in your life that you've never been before, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. You're in a place in your life you've never been before. The Broadway is narrowing down, narrowing down. More understanding, more insight, less turmoil, less confusion. <clears throat> That's God. That's God working. 
You're drawn to the things of God, but you're wondering, how am I going to do that? There's change that needs to come in your life, but it's like, how do I do that? Well, first of all, it's being identified. God's speaking to you. Just say yes. Say, here I am. And that means I'm willing to do his will. Thank you for Bradley, Lord. Thank you that you're doing something in him you never did before. Thank you, Lord, you're doing something in him you never did before. It's a deep work. I thank you that the word of God is not being stolen by the enemy any longer. 